you're listening to Make It, a podcast by Banzai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk Week, and that means I have my co-founder and good friend with me, Nicholas Bugs. Nick, say hello. Hello, hello. What's up, folks? Good to be back. It is good to be back. It has been, we sometimes will say it's been a long time, and it hasn't been that long. In this case, it's been a really long time. A lot of things have happened. Yeah. I've had a kidney stone. You oh. had a colostomy bag put You're in. Right. Like all these things are. No, I'm kidding. So, so untrue. No so offense untrue. to anyone who's had a kidney yeah, stone. Not true. Bag. We we have been good. None of those things have happened. Um, the reality is, and this is kind of a good problem to have, is that we've had such a great lineup of interviews, and some of the content in those interviews are so timely that that we just felt the need to get those interviews out. Um, and skip a couple of indie weeks to get some of these conversations that are so poignant and timely out into the world. And we have a great backlog of interviews coming up. So really excited about the future, about the year 2000. Right. We're going to come up with a new song, dude. Like, yeah. you know, so the year 2000, we're going to come up with something for, you know, 2021, 2022. That's right. It's so weird to live in 2021 and 2022. Because um, growing up, that felt like a future that I couldn't imagine. And what's funny is about 70% of life is just the same as it was when I was growing up. There really isn't anything in the day-to-day from an emotional standpoint that has necessarily changed about the experience. What you do have now is more access and sort of more options And because everyone else got it as well at scale, you don't feel like you have an advantage, right? So we were told, oh, this will be an advantage. Well, it is an advantage, but yet the workday is kind of the same vibe. Uh, Communication happens through a different medium, but it's the same thing. Can you get in touch with someone or can you not? It doesn't matter if I did it through DM or if I called them or text them. It's just the mediums change, but now everyone's competing. Now you got 100 texts and maybe you didn't read mine. Right. <laughs> just like when I grew up, you didn't answer the phone in the kitchen that was hanging on the wall. I just didn't see you that day. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that crazy, though? Yeah. I just didn't see you that day. Like, it didn't happen because <laughs> I couldn't get you on that one phone. Crazy. That's if people show up at your house. You're right. You know, you're not not make right. sure you're not dead on the floor. Yo, yeah, right, right, bro, I'm eating dinner, man. You can't be coming around. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, a lot has happened. We've had uh, multiple interviews, great conversations with uh, Kevin Christopher, wonderful uh, attorney, IP attorney. And I think we want to talk about that today a little bit. IP. And we also had an industry insight um, that you did earlier in the week on Brandon Hirsch, the great actor. Yep producer, writer, Brennan Hirsch, about how here's a guy who's, for all intents and purposes, the most confident person in the room or should be. Yeah. But his big challenge is confidence. And, you know, I think that 
uh, I felt that way too. And I'm not comparing myself to Brandon in terms of stature or talent or good looks or whatever, but I'm saying that, you know, for someone who I think a lot of people look to for confidence, and I've been in that role a lot of times, I've mentored people, I find myself sometimes feeling with a, like inadequate. I feel sometimes like, oh, I have imposter syndrome or I'm not really supposed to be where I'm supposed to be or what am I really doing here? No one's paying attention. It makes no difference in the world. And then wonderful little things happen that remind you, hey, that's a lie. That's like the devil on your shoulder, right, whether yeah. it be uh, someone coming up to you and say, Hey, you're Chris from the make it podcast. Like, yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening. And thank yeah. you for listening. For listening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, or, or we find out that some uh, independent creative wants to reach out to us for consultation or be a producer or work with them a story. You're like, okay, we are making a difference, but you do have those moments. And I think part of the big reason, Nick, is because there's, there's two worlds in film, just very clear, and it almost seems binary. They're like highly delineated worlds. And within those two worlds, there are all these sort of micro universes, if you will. So there's Hollywood filmmaking and then there's independent filmmaking. And when you're an independent filmmaker or an independent creative in film, you're sometimes you're like, well, how do I fit into this over here? This, this right. Hollywood system over here. Yep. And then you're like, well, I don't. So therefore I'm a failure. And therefore, like, how do I have the confidence to, to walk into a room, let's say if I'm an actor like Brandon, and audition when my hero may have come the moment before? Right. Like the guy I'm trying to be. Yeah. Just or at least or even say yeah, or even say you're an actor. Yeah. Right? Yeah, or even because say the, like with a straight face, I'm an actor. Ex yeah. Exactly. Because we, we've heard that before. It's like, well, you know, what are you? Well, I want to be an actor. No, no, wait, wait. Are you an actor or do you want to be an actor? Right? Like that's yeah. that's a yeah, big, yeah. that's a confidence thing. Just say you are the thing. Yeah. Right? You're studying. You're, you have gotten roles, right? You're like, you're auditioning. You are an actor. Say that. Have that yeah. confidence. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've, I've talked to a writer and uh, that I hang out with from time to time and uh, well, a lot. And I'll say, well, I'll introduce him as a writer. And he'll be like, uh, you don't have always have to introduce me as a writer. Because then somebody <laughs> might ask me for a writing sample. You're right, said, yeah. Then write a fucking sample. Then write it. <laughs> <laughs> because you're a writer. That's what you yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Like, so go do that and do the sample. And like, don't, don't have some crutch. Right. Some crutch, some confidence crutch that allows you to not do the thing you really want to do or to, to feel like you're an imposter in your own skin. But, but the thing is, and what you've always said, Nick is you don't have to play in that world. Now, some of it is in order for me to succeed because the origin of my personal dream was to be a Hollywood actor, to work in a studio system, then that's a different thing. But you take the interview we did with Chris Connor, uh, the most recently released interview, mm -hmm. he made a very distinct decision if I'm going to make it and I'm going to work in film, I'll do it right here where he lives, right? That whole Ryan Hartsock produce where you That's are right, thing is where you are. And he realized that he could make big time films, big time feature films, be part of big films without having to be in any sort of location or being in some sort of clique or some sort of club. 
Like he understood it. And I think that a lot of times as indie creators, Nick, we really don't understand that. Like we really feel like if I'm not sitting in Culver City at some studio, then I'm actually not really who I say I am. Yeah. I mean, allowing, I guess, someone else's um, paradigm, right, to judge you in a way. That's right. right. Instead of allowing your paradigm, your environment, your skills, your expertise, your network, you know, to kind of be the judges themselves, right? Do that again, where you are. Um, but yeah, I can, I can definitely see how that creates that, especially if you're always looking at that as the ideal, right? you know, then what else is there? You know, it's either the ideal or like you said, it's the failure. <laughs> so I, I, I totally get it. Yeah, it's exactly right. And then if we, but if we look at like, or if we extrapolate that beyond like branding, right? Like beyond actors. And I think, look, yep. actors have probably the most pressure from a confidence standpoint of, of, of any of the sort of film jobs. Maybe you can correct me there, Nick, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's another one that, that, but it, it feels like that's the one where you're judged on everything from, from your looks to your performance, to your social media following, you know, you're, you're, you're yeah. carrying the profitability of the film most likely. Like, and it might be the one that where there's the most nose that might be it. Yeah. And you get the most rejection you right. know, with, with that. But if we extrapolate that out to the producing world and the directing world, then you're saying, well, how do I fit into a system in which everything that literally everything gets made that that is successful is based on intellectual property? And yep. uh, like I said, we talked with Kevin Christopher about this a lot about making sure you protect your intellectual property. But one thing we didn't touch on and, and that we can touch on today in this conversation is, you know, why is everything an intellectual property now? And where does an independent filmmaker fit into a world where these big players, whether it be Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, you name it, Apple, what they're doing is they're going around and snatching up IP. That's right. Left and right. And I think that, you know, for us, when we say IP, right, that intellectual property, it's something that's established already, right? And established doesn't have to mean that it's an established in the film world, right? That does exist. I mean, I don't know how many films, you know, that we see, you know, we think, wow, that's a you know great film by so-and-so studio. But like, hey, guess what? That was a film in Japan, you know, four years ago or the Sweden, Departed, for example. Yeah. Or a sweet, like the ring was in Japan before it came here. Right. Like there's a lot of these movies where people don't even realize that it was like, no, we're the industry is making very good business decisions mm -hmm. and the best business decisions that they can make are where there's the lowest risk, but the highest potential return on investment. So if they can look for, you know, a movie that's already been produced somewhere else where, you know, the majority of the U S hasn't seen it, Hey, go for it. If there's a book that they can option, if there's a play, you know, I, I loved One Night in Miami. You know, I think, you know, this was, you know, again, a directorial debut. It was perfect in the zeitgeist. Like it was all these things. And it's like, wow, they made this movie for now. They made it for the times, you know, and it was perfect. And then you realize that it's based on a play, right? Where this has been out for some time and successful in its own right. And what did they do? They purchased the rights to that play and then made it into a movie. And that's happening, you know, left and right. And I think it was good when you said Hollywood, right? Because I think we tend to talk about like the major studios, the major players, but it's, 
Hollywood. It's kind of like the, the independent side of Hollywood too, right? It's like the folks who are making movies within that industry, right? Within the powers that be that may not have a, a major studio assigned to them, but they might get a major streamer who funds the project. Right. So right. it's like, it's all Hollywood. It's all within that universe well, well, that they're buying up say. this IP. Yeah. That, that's what I was going to say. It just yep. as an aside, it's like, it's analogous to how we, if, if I said to this audience, close your eyes and imagine wall street, like a wall street trading floor, you would probably imagine some pretty chaotic yelling and movement, paper all over the floor, people yep. yelling in orders left and right. And that hasn't been the reality since, since the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> since the year 2000. Yeah, so, That's so, right. since, so since then, it hasn't, this is all about getting your server as close to their, the trading server as possible. Right. This is the age of the Russian coder that makes one to five million dollars because he can front run the next banking house by a, a couple mil, uh, milliseconds and buy a stock at a few pennies less than the next bank. Right. But the order is so large that it equals millions of dollars of, of value simply because that skill set exists. So I've, I view Hollywood, Hollywood in air quotes. The same way, which is that if I said to the audience, hey, close your eyes and imagine Hollywood, you'd see back lots and studios and you'd see, you know, you'd see the Hollywood that Tarantino gave us in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right. In, yeah. in, in a lot of ways, you'd see that even as a city and as the, the, a the Warner Brothers water tower. Yeah. 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 The whole thing. <laughs> and really, it hasn't been that way since Netflix really started to dominate. Because now it's 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 like a bunch of production houses can make it, and the films aren't right. shot in LA anymore, and they're like they're shot, you know, in Australia, uh, or um, I'm losing no, so my mind. Not a shot. Not well, in Ontario. Say, yeah, but uh, Vancouver. Vancouver. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Atlanta. New Zealand. Yeah, there's there's shot where Greece. the uh, the benefits are, right? Or yeah, there's, there's shot, tax there's rebates shot where the tax and rebates are. yeah, that's exactly right. And then shot in a multitude, like there's there's shot in you said earlier business decisions, yep. right? Like these, there's shot where the business makes sense, where where those invested can be in the black or close to in the black before principal shooting, right? Like so, it's it's all set up. It's it's. It's a business where you don't hold the inventory and wait to get a sale. It's a business where you wait till somebody wants to buy and then you provide them a product to purchase. And I think it's important for filmmakers to, to keep that in mind. But so so when you say Hollywood, I just want it, it is a total yeah. aside. But I just want to say that when you say Hollywood, that that is just a whole different world now that that isn't about studios and movie stars as much as it used to be, it's, 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 it's more about engine, micro. Man. Yeah. It's an IP engine. <laughs> it's about micro genres. It's about owning the IP and then, and then developing projects around it until the end of time. Yep. All right. Like we're never going to stop getting Marvel movies. We're never going to stop seeing things on Disney plus around star Wars or anything like, like we're never yep. going to stop. Like everything will be rebooted. 
Um, they're doing a Black Wonder Years. Well, they're going to let that run through. It's going to be 10 years. Shout out to <laughs> Sheila and Dream, by the way, yeah. uh, who worked on the original Wonder Years. Um, and when it gets done, when we're old and gray, Nick, they're going to have a Hispanic Wonder Years. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to reboot it again. It's going to be an That's right. Asian Wonder Years. Yeah, exactly. And th- this and gets then to... the last one, like, w- w- like when we're 130, it'll be like dinosaur versions. <laughs> be like a bunch well, of be Barney and his whole family, but in the hey, 60s. You remember they had a show called Dinosaurs that, you know, was the honeymooners before it was dinosaurs. So yeah. you're not off you I'm know not you're not off, off base right That's so but and the key there is like you know like jenica Schwartzman, you know told us about you know people want to be you know basically jumping on a train that's moving Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's it. They want to be a part of something that's moving already and not something that, you know, hey, I've got to figure out what this is and, and who are you and and where is this thing going? That's what IP I, IP is the train that's already moving. It might have already had a couple stops. Yeah. Right. And people have seen it. Hey, this has been successful on its journey. Now, either it's still going in that direction or I now see a direction that I can take that train like because it's a train. I can see it. I understand what it is, how it works. I see the engine. I see the compartment. I see everything about it. I understand that. Let's move it forward. All I have to do is maybe build another track for yeah. it, right? Yeah. And I think that's what this IP is. And I think for us, it's like, you know, well, how does how does the independent filmmaker fit into that whole equation? Yeah, I, I, think, I think the way that they can fit in is by optioning other independent creatives work. I think if you try to play the Hollywood game and you've said this before, Nick on several indie talks, if you try to play their game, you're kind of fighting uphill. It's kind of like going back to the wall street and trading analogy. If you as an individual investor try to compete against Deutsche bank, you're going to lose. Yep. You're going to lose. Uh, not only do they have more money that they that they can plunder you with, but but and outmaneuver you with, but but in addition to that, they can take on losses. They can they have technology like there's just too much, and they can right. manipulate it's, markets. So on top of that, they can yeah. manipulate markets. And you think about Hollywood, they can manipulate markets as well, like through their agencies, like through like like partnerships with CAA and through different. Um, and avenues through their to, algorithms. How about yeah, that? Through algorithm, like they have a way, <laughs> they have an ability to purchase the IP that you might be thinking of. So if you think about going to get um, a book that's a bestseller, that's not a great. It's an ambitious goal, but yeah. it may not be a realistic goal. But what I think a lot of people understand, but but need to be reminded about, is that independent creatives are putting out content all the time. There are local theaters and, and theater productions happening every day. Not all those plays are bad. Lin-Manuel right. Miranda was an unknown writer until he wasn't. <laughs> he was doing an unknown play that was unheralded until it wasn't. Right? And and so everybody sort of um, thinks that if it's good, it, everybody would know it. Well, Eventually they will if it's good, but the key is to catch it while the stock is low and then catch it on the way up. On the way so up. So yep. have your ear to the ground on things like that. Um, how many books come out? I think on the order of probably 100,000 books come out a year that don't make it to the New York Times bestsellers list. 
Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. And yeah. we'll, we'll have uh, <laughs> so self-publishing out there. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll have we'll have uh, Elise or, or Papa Bear look that up for us and yeah. and and tell us and how far how number. far off we are on that. Like, because I don't want to mislead anybody. <laughs> right. But it's a large a lot. Yeah, it's exactly. a large number, <laughs> and not all those stories are going to be trash. There's several books, Nick, that that I have seen them like that's a movie. I want to make that into a movie. I should option it. I want to option it. And you can go out and you can option these things, Nick, affordably because the person you're optioning with is an independent creative that, you know, isn't going to charge what J.K. Rowling would. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like to, yeah. To option, uh, you know, a book, but it doesn't have to be a book. It could be any. The other interesting thing is it could be any IP. Uh, I finally uh, read Julius Ritter's graphic novel, Mr. Misery, this week. And it's totally a movie. Now, there needs to be elements added to it. But here is a 50-page, I think roughly 50-page graphic novel that is uh, compelling and, and hooks you. And it has this, this, this um, interesting tone to it. Is it perfect? Okay. No. But it's 50 pages. And you could option that IP and develop that into a screenplay and make a movie out of it. Uh, and so Julius Ritter is the, is the epitome of an indie creative. And by the way, so anybody wants to go out and support his book, you can get it on Amazon. And it's, it's called Mr. Misery. And uh, the, the short synopsis on that is it's, a, it's about a guy who is a failed poet yep. and decides he wants to die, but doesn't want it to look like a suicide because his mother and his family wouldn't understand. So he hires a hitman to kill him instead. And then the day after he hires him, he falls in love. I'll leave it at that. Right. Yep. And <laughs> let the hijinks continue. But it's a, it's a great concept, great idea. And then um, you got a book recently that, that wasn't uh, fiction. Uh, it, you know, that book could be IP. Uh, 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 was it uh, Sheila Andreen's book? Mm -hmm. I, I know we mentioned her earlier. Uh, she was on my mind because you had that book of hers. Even something like that could be IP that you could turn into a docuseries, for example, right. a short docuseries, because there's new data that says long docuseries are out. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the viewership tanks after the fourth episode, apparently. So if you're going to make a docuseries, independent creatives, three or four episodes now. Yeah. Until something comes along that just changes that again. Right. It's so compelling mm -hmm. that people can't help but watch it. But yeah. that's the idea that you're spot on. Right. So, you know, when we talk about the business of film, I think that's the part that we want the independent filmmakers to remember. Right. Like it's a business. It's not just your creative. Right. And not everyone's going to want your creative in the way that you want to deliver it. Right. Sometimes it's again, it's the business side of things. So what what train is already moving? Right. What train are you on or can you get access to that's already moving in a direction that people can understand, they can respect and that, you know, helps to minimize the the risk to whatever investment you might be asking for them to make into your project? You know, I think that, you know, I think about like um so, so let's look at an option here, right? And I said option. So if you want an option, <laughs> right? <laughs> I see what you did there. Exactly. And, and, and by option. the way, the name of Sheila's book is The Creative Coping Toolkit. Coping Toolkit. Yep. Make sure we get the plug of her book in there to be fair to her. Yeah, uh, and for give her sure. the same props that uh, we gave. Julius Ritter, yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, so it's like if you're going to, like the idea of optioning something, 
for a lot of filmmakers, especially so, you know, it's easy when you say filmmakers, like who are we really talking about? Right. It's, we, a, a lot of times we're talking about that, where that trifecta, you have your director, writer, producer. Uh, often it's a writer director who's looking to create some project. And, and again, it's the writer director, right? Yeah. They want to write it. They want to direct it. They want their thing to be out there. And I think that's great. And independent filmmakers should do that Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Uh, but in, in my opinion, you know, from if you look at from the business standpoint, do that as cheaply as physically possible. Right. As your calling card for what you're capable of. Mm. Right. Because if you can create excellence for, you know, a very low dollar amount, then when you start to pitch the higher things, right, if you go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to option this. Now this is going to cost twice or three times or 10 times as much as my last project. They're going to be able to see, oh, wow, you were able to do this right on this budget. And now you're looking to do this, which is not only, you know, something that we believe you're capable of, but it's a train that's moving. You optioned a play and you can say that the play has been seen 30,000 times by this demographic in this area. Exactly. And, you know, maybe you've got a connection with the, the, you know, the house that, that puts the, you know, the theater that puts on the play and you can get access to those people who've seen it. Hey, would you want to see this as a movie, more data, right. That you can bring to the table. So I think that there's, again, make the things that, that express or that, uh, yeah, express who you are as a creative, like do that thing, uh, but consider it as the calling card, right? These are the things that demonstrate your capability, but then do like Hollywood does, you know, option something that is moving, option something that is IP that you can leverage, that you can then make the bigger project that you go out there and seek financing for. Yeah, I think that's the moral of the story today in this conversation yeah. is you can play the same game they play. You seem to play it in a, in a place where you can afford it and it makes sense for, for you to do. Now, what Nick mentioned is obviously easier said than done. We know a lot of creatives that go on super duper micro budgets and are just one or two or three or four good decision, good judgments away from having something that's excellent. Right. Right. So it's the lower the budget, the less room and for error, less margin for error you have. That's been my experience. Nick, would you agree with that? Yeah. But I think on the flip side of that is the, the greater room for ingenuity. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right. That's, Maybe. that's the key there. If you have, if you have endless money, you know, I watched a, a quiet place too over the weekend and I watched the extras with, um, uh, your guy, um, John, um, Krasinski who directed okay. it. Yep. And boy, he could be, he had so much ingenuity when that budget was limitless. Nah, man, he I, had I, cranes. I, he had, he had a car. He had a cop car that, that flipped over on a Jack. He nah, had steady cam operators. He had, nah, to me, that's not ingenuity. He at that had point, so much like, ingenuity with the shots he wanted yeah. to get. He had cameras screaming down a factory. It was, yeah. Yeah. That's just engineering and resources and capability. Right. Like that's what it comes down. Yes. You're going to have ingenuity in there because you're going to have people doing new things. Um, but I think that that's where an independent filmmaker can really shine is that look again, look what I did for this. Yeah. Imagine what I could do for this. Yeah. I right? always go back to Emil Giardo uh, yep. uh, and his one minute short film. 
like zero budget, one minute short film that put a, that puts a lump in your throat. Right. In one minute. One minute. <laughs> in one minute, he makes you reflect on 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 wildlife. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, kudos kudos to him. Um, he's 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 incredible. Uh, I would say just as as a wrap up, one other thing to consider too is if you can't. Uh, option or you can option from an independent creative, whether you can or you can't, it still might be a good idea to bring in that creative to develop the project with. Right. Yep. Right. So, so the rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. Right. So instead of me going out and optioning the book and then sort of running in the other direction while I write the screenplay and, and maybe I'll send you payments later, maybe I bring you along for the whole ride. We write this thing together. That's the and best now, way to do it. Now yep. I've networked. I've got a new friend. Uh, we're in this thing together and we're both going to get our come up. And so it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of cool ways to do it. And those options exist. And the thing is, is they exist almost, and this is kind of the point too, is like they exist almost endlessly because there are far more undiscovered gems than there are discovered gems. Yeah. You know, it's like and the beers. I, I, they keep I, I, a I bunch just, of, they keep millions of diamonds <laughs> in a safe. Right. The ones yep. you see on people's fingers is just a fraction of what they really right. have. So yeah, it's the, the tip of the iceberg type situation, but yes, yeah, so you got to keep your, your head on swivel. And I think again, back to what you said about Chris Connor, there's a lot locally, right? There's a lot where you are that you have access to or could have access to if you paid attention. Right. So I think that's the other key to this is that, you know, again, you don't have to go far and wide to find these things to option or to leverage for your next project. They could be right there at home. Yep. I love it. Nick, you know what else I love? You love indie talks, bro. I do. I love indie talks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love you. Uh, yes. <laughs> I love chocolate. Too much. There you go. I was talking to me again. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah chocolate, the, the, <laughs> the chocolate studs. Uh, back there at you, you go. Um, <laughs> I was talking to someone the other day, like telling them the key difference between my COVID diet and the diet I had before. The diet I had before was chicken, grilled chicken, and lentils, and I changed that. I exchanged that for fried chicken and macaroni and cheese. <laughs> See how it's close? See how it's similar? But much, one's much, much family. worse. Yep. Yep. Like They're one's got an extra 1,500 to 2,000 calories. Mm-hmm. Once COVID hit, I wanted my chicken fried because <laughs> I don't want to go out like that. Like when you're in jail on death row, no one says I want my last meal to be asparagus and grilled chicken. No one. And lentils. Yeah. Uh, and lentils. It's always some <laughs> indulgence. And I think for the right. whole year, we were on death row. We were like, you we know were, what? We are just indulging. Give me a massive scoop of mac and cheese. And give me um, multiple breasts and thighs of fried chicken. There you go. On one plate. And then bring me another one. Okay. <laughs> I <Indie> digress. Talk. <laughs> Indie talk is now over. No. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Nick, I, it's been a blast. I've enjoyed yeah. it. And uh, we'll be back with you guys in about two weeks for sure. Interview coming next week that I think you guys are going to really love. If you want to get in touch with us, though, in the interim, you can do that in a variety of ways. Uh, one way and the best way is to simply email us. Contact at bonsai.film. Another way is to catch us on social media. Uh, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. On Instagram and Twitter, we are at underscore Bonsai Creative. And on Facebook, you can find us by searching for 
Bonsai Creative. Bonsai Creative. And we'll come right up. Now, what if you want to get in touch with us individually? Well, you can reach out to Nick at Nick at Bonsai.film. So email him at Nick at Bonsai.film. You can reach out to me on Twitter at flame in your heart. That is flame in your heart on Twitter. You can also just search now. I found out for Christopher Barkley and I will come right up. I'll be the guy in the delicious peacoat. Uh, shout out to. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I would be remiss, Nick, if I didn't add that uh, you can find us at www.bonsai.film. There you can, you'll find a myriad of resources from blog posts to all of our podcast episodes. Uh, you can uh, reach out to us for uh, advisory producing roles and so, so much more. Uh, we're just adding to that site every day. Uh, it's yep. getting more and more rich with content and value add. So again, that is www.bonsai.film. Okay, last thing. It might sound passe, but it is so important. If you like the Make It podcast, if you love our indie talks, our deep dive interviews, our industry insights, our film investment series, our mistakes in the making, all the value that we bring, we ask you one simple favor, and that is go to Apple Podcasts and rate our podcast five stars. That takes about three to five seconds. Now, if you want to drop a sentence or two or three, that takes a little bit longer, but we would love that as well. Yep, for sure. Our podcast cannot be discovered at the level it should be that it deserves to be if you believe in us uh, without those ratings. So please go to Apple Podcasts, rate the podcast five stars. We will be forever indebted to you for that. And Nick, after that giant mouthful, please give us the Bonsai Credo. Oh, yeah, man. And I, I was going to say it's the best part. It's not the best part. That conversation we just had was the best part. Uh, but I'll leave you folks with, as always... Be better, be creative, be engaged. And thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon, Nick. Yes, sir. All right, man. Talk soon. All right, man. Yep. Take it easy. Peace. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find out more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives, please visit our website at www.bonsai.film. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community, on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative and the show will pop right up. You now have the opportunity to support the production of this podcast. If you love Make It and are a true fan of what we're trying to accomplish in the indie film community, please visit www.bonsai.film and click Contribute. Contributions start at only $5 monthly. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. You can provide feedback to us via email at contact at bonsai.film and you can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at Flaming Your Heart. That's F-L-A-M-E-I-N-U-R-H-E-A-R-T. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, Go to www.bonsai.film and click on services to explore a variety of offerings from keynotes and panels to pitch readiness assessments and so much more. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, 
and thank you for listening.